turn to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. In case you're wondering why we're changing mics there is the pianist can only hear the pulpit mic, not the other mic. Otherwise, you would hear me echoing during the sermon out there in the corner. It would sound really weird. So, the go ye kids have gone. Psalm 61. A short psalm, only eight verses, but one that is just absolutely packed with praise and glory to God. Um, I have preached many times of one phrase of this verse, and let's just read the entire psalm here. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. O prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Now, if you look at the very beginning here, it says to the chief musician upon... uh, Let's see, that's Niganiah, uh, a psalm of David, and uh, Niganah, I'm sorry. And uh, it is signed by David. Uh, the, the psalms that uh, are called Micham are psalms that are there to think about, uh, to make you ponder over this psalm was supposed to be a happy, praise God, let's just uh, rear back and sing by letter kind of psalm. Uh, And uh, by that, what we mean is just sing by letters in this church, just rear back and let her fly. Amen? Uh, Instead of just regular notes and give give it all you got. That's where this psalm comes in. And, And as the psalmist starts, he says, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto... My prayer. Now, if you've ever been there, you know exactly what David is talking about. If you've been in distress, in despair, uh, in hard trials, uh, hear my cry. He's, he's not just praying now. He, he is crying out unto God. There is... Emotion in this. There is everything that he uh, has with him. He must have an answer from God. I remember uh, many times in my life where I've been there, where if God did not move, if God did not work, we would lose very much. And I will tell you, God always works. And so the psalmist says, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. 
And uh, many of the commentators said that, oh, this must have been when David was removed from the city of Jerusalem. Or uh, Let's just make this more simple. David says, no matter where I am, if you were to take me to the end of the earth, God can still hear my prayers. Amen. And he says, I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. How many of you have ever had that happen? I mean, sometimes things happen and we just cannot process them. Uh, Those that are supposed to, and I do mean supposed to, we don't really trust uh, the world of psychology and so much of this, whatever you want to call it, is just made up. Uh, And one of the reasons why we know that is true is because... If I had ten people that had a had strep throat, an infection in their stro, uh, in their throat, and we gave ten people penicillin, and ten people were not allergic to penicillin, we'd get exactly the same results. You start talking about these psychotropic drugs and things like that. You line up ten people give them the exact same medication, the exact same strength, and you're going to get between 15 and 20 results because everyone will not even react the same way to the same medication. Uh, and, And that's really scary stuff. God has built a switch. Sometimes people will, quote, unquote, go into shock or won't be able to remember traumatic events. Uh, that's when your heart's overwhelmed. It just comes to a point to where you don't feel things anymore. And what the psalmist is telling me, telling us here is when you get to that point, it's time to stop trying to figure out what you're going to do and just simply start crying out unto God. Here's what the psalmist cried. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Someone said it this way. If you don't have anything in your life worth dying for, you don't have much worth living for. If you don't have something in your life that is more important than life itself, this is this is part of our, our problem in our society today. Uh, I can't remember who the funny guy was that came up with this line the first time, but uh, it was some little skit, and the, he walks around the corner, and there's a guy with a gun, your money or your life? And he goes, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. And, and uh, uh, okay, that's supposed to be funny, yeah, uh, But, you know, a lot of people are really that way. I think of the heroism that we have recorded in the history of our country. Of men who have gone out and literally looked down the barrel of the opposing enemy's guns and kept going. Many of them died. We have cemeteries on every continent on this earth. 
And their only purpose for existing is housing the final remains of American servicemen and women who have surrendered their lives for the cause of freedom. America has never conquered any land that it's kept for itself. Unless you want to talk about the Indians, and that's a whole nother American Indians, woo, 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 that's a whole nother story. We're not going to get into uh, that tonight. But what I'm saying is, when my heart is overwhelmed, if you're all you have to hold on to, you're lost. If you don't have some place to go that is higher than yourself, I mean, that's why some of these politicians, they have a camera fixation. We often joke around our our house, uh, don't come between me and my food, something bad might happen there. Uh, But I'll tell you, if you want a really danger zone, just try to get between some of these politicians and the TV camera. I mean, uh, you're going to be trampled. I mean, uh, they may be some little tiny politician, but that TV camera, oh, I got to, you know, they're addicted to it. It's terrible. And, and if you wonder how badly they are addicted to it, just listen to some of the rantings that come from our politicians, especially here in New York State. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Senator Schumer has got to come up with some new level in ridiculous. Every weekend, he's got to be out there in front of the camera. We are going to solve this problem here, and we are... Oh, my. I wish I had a dollar for every promise that man broke. I, 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 I'd be able to support missionaries like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I wouldn't keep it. Honest, I don't want money like that. But uh, I'll tell you, it's... We, we live in a world that is above our ability to deal with. And the psalmist here is telling, he says, listen, God, I want you to hear my cry. I want you to attend unto my prayer. When my heart is overwhelmed, he said, from the end of the earth I cry. He said, there's no place that I can't call on you. And my prayer is always going to be the same. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I have a sermon that I developed many years ago. I still keep the notes to to preach it uh, as the Lord would lead. But you start talking about that rock that is higher than I. Aren't you glad the rock's not Peter? Jesus said, upon this rock I will build my church. And the best way I can help us understand that is with the, with the uh, hand motions. Is Jesus said, Behold, thou art Peter, and upon this rock, talking about himself, I will build my church. Now, did David know about the church when he wrote nearly a thousand years before Jesus was born in the early, mid-900s? No. But did the Holy Spirit that inspired him to pen these words know that Jesus is the rock? Yeah, and do you know where David got this idea? How many of you know another place that predates David in your Bible that talks about our rock is not like their rock? Talking about God and the God that we worship. It's in the book of Deuteronomy, the writings of Moses. Uh, 
Our God isn't like everybody else's gods out there. He's not my buddy. He's not my friend. He is the creator of this universe. And He still cares about me. When my heart is overwhelmed, and I'll tell you that seems to happen more and more as we go through this life, people just keep raising the level of ridiculous. But guess what we can do? We can get a hold of something that is bigger and higher. This is the first part of this song. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Why? Because, verse 3, past experience. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Do you think David would have a little experience in dealing with the enemy? I mean, when he was a shepherd, he had a lion come out and attack the sheep. On another occasion, it was a bear attacking the, the sheep. David had learned to use his sling and his staff uh, very carefully there to protect his sheep. And then he had to protect himself from Saul, did he not? After Goliath and, and uh David, of course, got the victory over Goliath. David fought in many battles. And David wasn't always on, um, how shall we say this? He did not always behave as King David the Valiant. I mean, when his first attempt to run away from Saul, where did he go? Gath, wearing Goliath's sword. You know, that made a real hit with all the locals. As here is their hero, Goliath had gone to battle and the word had come back that some little kid, a teenager, had killed their giant that they had been preparing for 20 or 30 years to fight in the battle. He goes out there and he doesn't last five minutes against this teenager. And here comes David in the gath wearing Goliath's sword. My dad used to have a little phrase that he used. He said, that's dumber than a box of rocks. And he said, you just, you just can't get much more foolish than that. In fact, how did David get out of the city of Gath? By slobbering on himself and scrabbling on the doors of the gates and, and playing the part of a madman. Uh, do you think David's heart was overwhelmed as he was there in the city of Gath wearing Goliath's sword saying... There is no way that I am this stupid. I mean, there, there, this just could not have happened, but it did. I did this. How many of you have ever been there? Don't raise your hands. We've all been there. Maybe not quite that critical, but just as dumb. Amen. And who protected us? He said, the Lord, that rock that is higher than I. He said, God has been my shelter it's Solomon that would later pen the name of the Lord as a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. I wonder if Solomon got the idea from that, from reading David, his own father's song. It says, I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. Ever. Now, isn't that uh, a fairly uh, arrogant statement? 
How in the world do you have a right to dwell in the tabernacle of God forever? What promise do you have that God is always going to protect you? How many of you thought about the Great Commission? Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Well, that hadn't been written for over a thousand, nearly a thousand years before. But you see, it's the same God. And God, remember what happened when Samuel poured that oil on little David's head, maybe 13 years old? It said, the Spirit of God abode on him from that day forward. I've had people say, well, who do you think you are saying that you have heaven is guaranteed? I, I mean, nobody knows that. Excuse me? Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, didn't he? Now, eternal means never perish. Read, read the Bible. We have confidence. I want you to understand David had that confidence. That's why this little psalm here is not one of those, I must tell Jesus all of my troubles. Uh, and, uh, and, and that song has a place. But I, I get a little weary sometimes of being just wrapped up in my problems when the truth is I should be wrapped up in God. Amen? I need to understand that when my heart is overwhelmed, God will hear my prayers. He has been that shelter. He has been that strong tabernacle. I have a surety. I have promises of God that will last forever I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Uh, many people have told the story. As America began to expand out into the uh, far Midwest, what is known as the prairie lands, uh, most people don't understand those big, huge pastures where the buffalo roamed were basically deserts. They weren't grass. I mean, they weren't sand like Arizona and the south, southwest. But the rainfall in those areas was extremely low. And that summer would dry and that grass and would grow sometimes six or eight feet high and it would get tinder dry and you'd have a prairie fire. You see, if that grass didn't burn off, new grass couldn't grow up. And that's what made the prairie such an unusual place, is they could cut that prairie sod and the, uh, out there in uh, Northville where the church is, community is, they have sod farms. And most of your sod is about that thick. You got about that much grass and about that much dirt holding those roots in well. Prairie sod is about that thick. That, that root system would grow down deep because if it didn't, it wouldn't survive the drought of the summer. And, uh, but sometimes that would catch on fire, lightning strike or whatever. You can't outrun a prairie fire. Those flames are running sometimes 40 miles an hour. And they would say, after one of those fires has swept through... You go out there and you'd see these little prairie hens just covered up and just burnt to a crisp. 
And you kick one over. Beep, 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 beep. All the little babies had been sheltered under the wings of that mother. And that's how they survived the fire. You can't run away from trouble. Sometimes that fire is just going to pass right over you. Read Second Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 talks about the trials of our faith. It says, I'm going to trust in the covert of thy wings. I'm going to be just like that little baby prairie hen and just be right there under the wings and protected. It's a beautiful thought, is it not? God will protect us. We have something we can trust in. Now we start in verse 5 here, and it says, For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. If you wonder why I make such a big deal about the name Baptist and make such a big deal about historical doctrinal positions. This is why, right here. I want the heritage of those that fear thy name. Those that went through the fires in the Inquisition who were burned at the stake and gave their lives. The only reason they were murdered was because they wanted to be baptized the same way Jesus was baptized. Because they wanted to hold this book in their hand and read it for themselves. It's amazing to me that anyone would listen to the claim of the Catholic Church to be the true church of Jesus Christ when they took people who wanted to read the Bible for themselves and took their Bible and threw it in the kindling and burned them to death in the very flames that consumed their Bibles. How could that be a church of Jesus Christ? And yet, we have all these people running around, well, you have to trace true church history through... No, you don't. You trace true church history through this book called the Bible. And there are people that have always held this book. They called them Anabaptists. In fact, they were so numerous and so dangerous that the Catholic Church raised armies and sent them out to uh, uh, kill, rape, pillage entire areas, trying to eradicate these quote-unquote heretics. Hey, there's a heritage for those that fear thy name. I want to be put on that list. How about you? I, I want this church when people ask, what kind of church is this? Hey, we're, we're the kind of church that still fears His name. We're, we're not going to play footsie with the world. We're not going to let the world come in and dictate us. We're, we're, we're not going to bow to the pressures of, uh, of, uh, of trying to say everything nice to please the world. Sin is still sin. Amen? And, amen? And God is still holy. Now look what, there are promises for the future. 
Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. Now, why would David say that? How many of you remember the life of David as he became king and he was finally established in the kingdom over all of uh, of Israel and all the problems with the house of Saul had been solved. There was one nation. and He says, I dwell in a house of cedars and God is living in a tent. He said, I want to build a place to worship God. And Nathan the prophet had come to him and said, Do all that's in thy heart. I mean, I can't see that God would have any problems. And he came back the next day and said, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, I spoke a little early here. God's not going to let you build the temple. He said, you've been a man of war. You've shed much blood. He said, your son that's after you is going to build the temple. He said, but I'm going to establish your kingdom to all generations. Now, God knew that Solomon would fail. And that many of those kings in Jerusalem would eventually be sacked in 600 A.D. by the Babylonians. But those prophecies in Isaiah were talking about a son of David who's going to be raised up and his kingdom is going to be forever. Nathan told David, God's going to establish your kingdom forever. And we understand that's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And and so this would be one of the later psalms in David's life as he reflects those promises that God had given him, that God was going to continue him for many generations. And he speaks of the king in third person because he knows it's not talking about him, it's talking about the king that shall come. But what is one of the titles of the Jewish Messiah? The son of David, is it not? And David is referring to that here. He shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. And then he ends this psalm by saying, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. He said, listen, God's going to prolong the king's life. David had many opportunities to have his heart overwhelmed. He said, instead of just sitting here crying, I'm going to call unto the Lord. Amen. He said, no matter where I am from even the end of the earth, he said, I've got a place to go. I want God to put me onto that rock that is higher than I because God has protected me. He's been my strong tower. He said, there's a place to abide. I I am safe in the covert of his wings. There is nothing that is going to bother me or attack me there. Because God's heard my promises. Now, you say, well, I haven't made any vows to God. Am I supposed to make vows to God? And sometimes that's a great question. What are vows and things? But let me ask you. What happened when you got saved? Did you surrender your whole life to Jesus Christ? Hello? How many of you have taken it back? On occasion. All of us have, haven't we? 
We get down here to the end, and he says, I want to daily perform my vows. The hardest part of the Christian life, I would think that if someone came here and said, we're going to drag you out in handcuffs if you don't deny the Lord Jesus Christ, I think the vast majority of us would face that test and say, get out the handcuffs. We're not quitting on Jesus. Uh, There might be some that would, but I I think that that would be a much easier test than the one you're going to face tomorrow morning. When you've got to get up, go to work, face people you know, people who know you, and try to live for God in this present evil world. That's what the psalmist is talking about here. I mean, it's supposed to be one of those rip and holler songs. Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth. I mean, how much more dramatic can you get than that? When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me unto the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. Just a wonderful little song. We need to spend some time in these psalms and understand that the greatest part of our living for Jesus daily, just daily walking with Him, daily living the life of a Christian. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before